0: All right, welcome to episode 59 of the At-Bad podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news, as well as take a trip around the league. I am Sao Rodriguez, along with my co-host Miles Porter, as well as joined by our war colleagues in Chris Pennant and Gabriel Wilkins. Uh, Miles, how we doing today, man?
1: Hey, you know, doing, doing good. Uh, I learned yesterday that I made the all-star team. So I'm very happy. Let's about go. Let's uh, go. Awesome.
0: Let's go. Thank you. Man. Thank you.
1: That's it's been, it's been a good grind this season. The boys are, the boys are balling and we won a big game yesterday against uh, the tropics, which is an, uh, one of the, like, the second best team in one of the leagues that we play in a very competitive game. Lots of, lots of back and forth between the umpires and teams. And uh, so, no, it was, it's great. And so uh, the all-star game is at the Milwaukee milkman stadium. And, uh, excited I'm excited i'm excited, I'm excited oh, okay. to be there hell anyway, yeah I got, a, I got a migraine today by the way so i'm a little oh. bit I'm, just, I'm a little <laughs> bit under the weather but aside from that i feel great
0: <laughs> hey well we appreciate you coming out regardless of that so hopefully you feel better sometime soon uh i hey, yeah. i will say also the cubs are looking for a third baseman there you go miles porter you know they You, you know? Know, check, check out his yeah. linkedin Cubs, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Apply, you know, whatever. But no, anyways. <laughs> yeah, hey, no, right. Congrats, though, Miles. Like Chris, how we doing, man? Trash, bro. Nah. <laughs>
2: Absolute trash. The only thing saving the other, you see, I got off screen. We're going, this is the only time we're gonna put it on screen. We got the saving <laughs> grace of Victoria right here. That's about it. That's about it.
0: Oh, how about you, Gabe? How we doing, man?
3: Man, life is life yeah. You know, done dealt with a lot of tough things this month. Just had to recently get myself prepared to lay my uncle to rest. But through it all, man, we still going through it. You know, we 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 no matter the weather, man, we're gonna put it together and do great things no matter what. So yeah. he lived his life to the fullest. I'm gonna live mine to the fullest and talk about the game I love yeah. with y'all, man.
0: Hell yeah, hell yeah, and then may Sorry. rest in peace, of course, Gabe, and so, th- th- we'll we'll make this episode out to to Uncle Wilkins over here. So you know, my you Uncle do John him. Burns, yeah, they, man, John Burns, years little, man, that's a blessing. That's awesome, man. All right, so uh, we got big episode, of course, the trade deadlines coming up. We're recording this on Thursday, July twenty seventh. Uh, so we'll talk all things Cubs, White Sox, as well as some of the deals that have gone on. The White Sox stuff will leak into. Major League Baseball as well, because of course that, you know, that trade implicates a lot of things um, going on, the Giolitos going over to the Angels, but a big episode, of course. Uh, so we'll get right into it. Of course, the, the Cubs, uh, you know, they took uh, both games against the White Sox in that Crosstown series. Uh, they're 15-51, 50 8-4 since the All-Star break uh, with the Red Hot Bellinger, Red Hot, you know, offense in general. Um, and you know, the White Sox are sitting at 41 and 62, three and eight since the all-star break. And before we get into the White Sox, that's going to be the bulk of what we talk about today with that trade that went on, uh, Miles, what, what, what do you take up? What do you think about the Cubs, you know, recent hot streak and, and the fact that they're looking like they're going to be buyers at this point?
1: You know, it's, it's great. This is a team that you're starting to see them click on all cylinders, and to and, and the most part, really not much change with this roster aside from having a few guys uh, come up and a few pickups here and there and Mastroboni and Tocqueville. The, the contributions that, that uh, they've given uh, to this ball club was just uh, incredible. And even with Strowman, who's kind of been getting hit hard lately, this team is still finding ways to win games. So I love it. I really, I really do. It's cool seeing this group come together. I, I've been saying it for some time now that the Cubs are about two, three key pieces away from being com- even more competitive. We're a competitive team right now. We're still just missing a little bit of a something. Um, what that something is, I couldn't tell you specifically. I, I love what we've been doing offensively. Cody Bellinger has been out of his absolute right mind, and that has been so fun to watch. Um, so, no, it, it, it's great. It's great to to see like good competitive baseball right now on the north side. We haven't had that in a few years, um, so you know uh, I'm, I'm excited where this ball club is going.
0: Yeah, and and, and you're right. There are missing a few pieces, and hopefully they can add at least a couple uh, of of those. You know, you know before the deadline. Uh, as I yeah. mentioned, the third baseman. As I mentioned, you know, as we mentioned before, on the show the bullpen needs some work. Um, but you yeah. know, there's there's a lot to go around. A lot of help, and of course they're trying to make a postseason spot. I think trying to make a trying to make some noise. Obviously, I think next year is a real year where you're really trying to gun for, you know, the NL Central to, you know, yeah. make, you know be competitive the whole season, right? Not just uh, the second half or whatever. Uh But, yeah, no, they're playing really well right now. Uh Like I said before, you know, the, there's, you know, Tyone's looking a lot better since the All-Star breaks at three star 186 ERA uh, with a .98 whip. So he's looking better. Um, But, for, guys, from the other side, uh like I said, you know, we'll get to the White Sox, you know, because that's, you know, with the Giolito trade. Uh, but Chris, well, from the other side, you saw the Cubs these last two games as they uh, took on the White Sox. What do you make of their play um, as well as if you believe they're buyers or sellers at this point?
2: It's tough for me to say. I know Gene McIntosh, a yeah. uh, friend, friend of the show, a br- uh, brilliant Cubs fan. He said, I saw him on Facebook, said the Cubs should not be sellers. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to argue that when you go come out of the all-star break and you win – was it eight of your eight of your first thirteen? Mm-hmm. Eight of twelve in a week. Yeah. Di- eight of twelve. Mm-hmm. That 75%. That's seventy-five percent. That's in a in a weak division. Not just in a weak division. They the Cubs have felt like a pretty quality team. Even you look at their last maybe twenty games or so since they. I'm looking at Baseball Reference right now. Since they lost to the Giants on June 11th by 10, mm-hmm. they haven't really had that many blowouts, and they've mm-hmm. been winning a lot of games by double-digit run scores that's a team that's starting to put it together i was talking to another cubs fan sean campbell shout out to chirp radio 1071 and i we were in agreement that the stuff we talked about in the preseason the flyers um especially bellinger have worked out Hosmer didn't do that much but bellinger has proven his worth and those guys are on one year contracts and they've developed continued to develop pitching and position players so you add on, even if it's not for this season, you make, you can make kind of cautious moves to put you in position to really compete, hit the ground running next year. Cubs are in a good spot.
0: No, yeah, definitely. And you mentioned some of the guys that have worked out. Uh, one guy that hasn't, but is hasn't really put a dent in anything. Really, is Mancini. Also, he hasn't worked out, but um, it's still a good a good guy to have in the in in the dugout. A good guy to have in the clubhouse. Um, from what we hear all the time. I think that's one of the reasons why he stayed. Because I think any team could easy, easily be like, let's keep Master Boney up here and let's DFA this guy or something, right? Who knows? They could easily do that, but they haven't, I think, for a reason. Um, Gabe, from the other side, uh, looking in, what have you thought about the Cubs' uh, recent play?
3: Hell of a job. You know, none, none else to really say, just, just, but a hell of a job. You know, guys are performing and rising to the occasion at a pivotal time in the season in which Jay Hoyer, a couple weeks ago wasn't willing to publicly exp- express whether or not the Cubs were buyers or sellers. And you talk about the play of Cody Bellinger, whose left-handed bat has been providing a ton of power as of late, but how about Christopher Morell mm-hmm. coming up with some big hits the last couple of nights in a crosstown series, driving home a couple of RBIs in a two-hour situation in a spot that proved to be the defining moment in the ball game the other night in game two of that Crosstown Series. And then you talk about the play of Mastroboni, Toshman, and and other guys, even in spite of the pitching and finding ways to win. And, and the one thing about this group, even though, as you guys alluded to, the, the signing of Mancini did not work out, this is a guy who's played with a World Series team, mm-hmm. being in the fire last year with the Houston Astros. Cody Bellinger, he's no stranger to the playoffs. Marcus Stroman is no stranger to the playoffs during his runs with the Toronto Blue Jays in the middle part of the last decade. So they got an infusion of vets with some young guys that's that have playoff experience and they're willing to play and fight under a guy David Ross, who, in spite of drawing a lot of criticism in this city, has these guys clicking at the right time. It'll be interesting to see how far they can go and what moves they make at the trade deadline, but are they sellers? Absolutely not even though it is a seller's market that could prove to be beneficial. Should you want to go on that route? I don't think the Cubs can afford to do that in the NL central that, as you have alluded to, and we've all alluded to over the last couple of months is still available for the taking.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because uh, that's the one, that's the good thing Is the fact that, you know, it's still good for the Cubs. They're not going to sell and all that, but I think it's funny because the everyone, every other team or every fan base was so excited to see Stroman and Bellinger out on the market getting dealt or something like that. So uh, as much as I like a, a, a crazy deadline, um, the fact that that means, you know, that they're going to at least try to, you know, get out there and compete is obviously a positive, but uh, to kind of break down uh, kind of transitioning to the White Sox, before we talk full on Giolito trade and all that stuff, uh, we can talk a little bit about the series. Cause obviously that's the biggest part since last time we recorded the biggest series between these two guys, these two teams, of course, um, in game one, Hendricks and Kopech. Uh, the Cubs were and ended up winning that one 7-3. to three. Uh, Kopech won five innings, giving up four. Uh, Hendricks went six, uh, giving up uh, three runs. Um, and, of course, al Sorai with the save there. The um, Cubs' bullpen did their job in that game. Swanson did a couple bombs, and uh, as well as Horner and Morrell in that one, too. Uh, what were you guys' takeaways from that game in particular? We'll start with you, gave, Uh in particular with the Kopech start, with where, where it went wrong in game one for the White Sox.
3: Well, where it went wrong was he left a couple pitches up. Mm-hmm. Some some pitches he made weren't bad pitches. Dansby Swanson just did damage. And that's what put them on the board in a major way after a hap with T8 fielding the ball with a, with a bad throw to Andrew Vaughn that he couldn't pick, you know, down. And they got up early. And then Morel left another pitch up, and he went yard. And they lost control of the game. Before you know it, it, w- it was a 5-0 lead. And White Sox, you know, they they fought back. But the player of the game to me in game one was really Seiya Suzuki robbing Kata mm-hmm. of a grand slam. Because I feel like if that goes over the fence, the game gets a little bit interesting. Oh, yeah. Even though they still would have been down a couple of runs, it gets a little bit more interesting down the stretch. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're, when your pitching staff can't give you six innings, each and every night of the guys in your pitching staff can't do it the way that Michael Kopech was unable to do it. And then on top of that, you know, he he gave up five runs, didn't walk too many guys. I had the numbers in front of him. He only walked one batter, which is saying a hell of a lot considering his last few starts, but he just got hit hard. And to mm-hmm. me, the Cubs just took game one, you know, Swanson, it was his first time in the crossdown classic. class. He seemed like he was pumped up a bit. And Chris Morrell, like I say, man, he's a guy that when he get a hold of a pitch that he liked and he do damage with it, it's going to have a tracking deposit number on And he, he, he did that on Tuesday night. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, that oh, go ahead. oh, go ahead, Chris. You go. Uh,
2: I, I can't agree more um, with a team like the White Sox, who have been slightly less anemic this year with the bases loaded, but still unable to find a grand slam at any given time that would have been somewhat of a fire starter. Like they were probably on the brink of being sellers anyway, but to see a grand slam at home in the crosstown series would have been a fire starter for a fan base that was already pissed and a team that was looking for something, anything at that point. And for it to not only be, you know, not only be an out, but to be an out in the way that it was, you saw it on Makata's face afterwards. I saw the highlight on that so many times on sports center. It was number one on Sports Center. And you know, folks were shocked. They were just like, you know, this happened at that time. And Kopek for him to just walk one batter is like Gabe said, it's pretty good. He struck out five, but mm-hmm. he's just still been unable to go more than into this, to get further than the sixth inning consistently. His last five starts, he hasn't gone further than Two thirds of the way through the sixth. And this is a guy who you were you were expecting to be one of your top of the rotation guys. And it's just endemic of the season at writ large.
0: Yeah, you yeah, you're right. And uh kind of, you know, to what Gabe said as well, uh, with the Suzuki catch. I mean, yeah, that 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 would for sure would have changed the game, I think, completely. Especially with how crazy, you know, game two was. Um, I think it just shows how much this game could have gone back and forth. So yeah, that, that was pretty crazy. But Miles, in your opinion, you know, with, with the way the the Cubs were able to win that game, uh, what were some of the things that stood out to you in, in that in that win?
1: I'm timely hitting. Um, really, really, nothing that I could say that has been said by Christopher Gabe. Jumping on top of pitches that you had to jump on top of. Um, you know, it, it's cool. It's cool seeing Danzy really embrace uh the Crosstown Classic the way he did in in Game One, and so. You know, it's, it's, it, I I think I'm a little bit more accustomed, especially as of recently, to the Sox pretty much kicking our asses, whether the, (laughs) whether we're at the (laughs) cell or if we're at Wrigley, I've kind of become accustomed Mm -hmm. to that the past few years. But, um, I, 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 you know, it's, it's still, it's still like a cool, a cool series where there, I think there, there should be a lot of respect for both sides. And I've never been one of those Cubs fans to kind of dog the White Sox in a sense. I think, you know, it's, I, obviously during that game, you see a lot of the issues with the White Sox showing, showing, uh, being on display uh, during, during game one uh, and also during game two. Um, so as much as I love seeing the Cubs take care of business, you still got to feel for your, your your brothers on the south side as well. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm very proud of the Cubs, very happy with, with how, you know, the momentum that they were playing with um, and, and, and we haven't talked, we even touched on game two, but that comeback was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, a lot of good takeaways from that uh, Morel and Swanson. That's a they were a fun tandem that game. So I, I always I always enjoy seeing both of those guys. There. And I think Nico Horner also had an amazing game. And then Suzuki would taking away a grand slam. That's crazy. That's crazy. I wish I was at that game just to hear the reaction of both sides. Sox fans groaning and Cubs fans just going crazy. This <laughs> what I love about, it's what I love about baseball. So just, it's, it's, <laughs> Chris. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know i i was gonna say that uh that him i mean saving a grand slam is almost as good as hitting it i uh, mean that's just it is awesome so uh but no you miles you're right though i don't remember the last time the cubs got the head the crosstown cup i honestly don't right I, I don't know i feel like ever since that that trophy came out the 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 Sox has had it for like nine out of the ten years or however long i don't i don't know if either you yeah.
3: won the series
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Which is crazy.
3: (laughs) And then (laughs) the funny part is the Cubs won the Crosstown Series the year the Sox won the World Series. Because I remember it like it was yesterday because they came in to 35th and took two out of three. And I believe Corey Patterson had a big hit at the time. And I was so ticked off that Sunday, even though the Sox were in first place. I'm like, damn. I said, "We, we really lost to them.
2: We lost to Corey. we lost to Corey Patterson. <laughs> right. I know. And by right? the way,
3: enough for this two game. Like I, I don't.
1: Oh I'm my
2: god! Yeah, I know. two here,
3: yeah. two there. What do we do? Stop.
2: Yeah, I don't like that either.
0: I don't like that either. And, I I like that either. When make they it every week to weekend that.
3: too. Mm-hmm. Like these series should not be Dude, played on weekdays. Yeah, they should not be right. played on weekdays.
2: This is, I remember when they made that switch. I was still down state. I was still downstate in Peoria, but AM mm-hmm. radio has such a long wavelength that we mm-hmm. got the score. And I was listening to it on the way into work and they had um, an executive from major league baseball on, and it was Mully and Hanley at that point. And they were roasting her, like not roasting, but kind of subtly like, yo, what's the deal with this? Why are we going to this change? With interleague play, why aren't you putting, why, what's with this two games here, two games there every year. And you could tell she did not want to be on this call one, because she didn't think that was, it was such, it was that big of a deal. Two, because she sounded unprepared as as you get, as it could get, and I think they left her on the phone while they took listener calls. So she had not only had to deal with actual informed sports radio hosts, but like Charles and Villa Park, who was so upset about this, and I was <laughs> laughing in my in my car because I felt the same way. But they they stuck the okey doke on old girl, and it was so bogus, but it was, they were right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Ever since that it happened is ridiculous. And, you know, uh, to make it even ma- to make matters worse, 2024, it's the same exact thing, two and two. Um, and then I actually looked it up while you were talking, Chris, because I was actually, I actually had always want to look it up. Didn't look it up. Apparently this is part of it. This is a CBS article from like 2012, which, when they it said that uh, they were going to start changing it to four games, most of the season, most of the seasons. It says as part of the changes major league baseball wanted to minimize the competitive imbalance that currently exists with the schedule. For instance, the White Sox playing the Cubs six times this season is a break compared to the Cleveland, uh, Guardians having the uh having to face the Cincinnati Reds six times. In the new schedule, interleague play will rotate between the divisions, meaning teams in the in the same division will play the same interleague opponents every season. I, I feel like that's such a like lazy like reason.
3: It's very lazy. Yeah. Let me say this, <laughs> and let me say this. Did you see the twenty twenty four schedule?
0: Yeah, it's doing and two It's a yeah. weekend
3: series. Oh, it's a weekend between yeah. the Cubs and the Sox. On, they're going to have a two game set Friday and Saturday. They're going to be off both teams on the third Sunday of August. What? I've never, I can't recall a time <laughs> in my life where I have gone without a Sunday without White Sox baseball because the team was off. Maybe because I didn't watch the game or mm-hmm. I couldn't watch the game, but yeah. like that is so weird to me. Yeah. That you have a We're two so game silly. series played on the <laughs> weekend. On a Friday and Saturday night on the South Side, and then yeah. I can't get a game on Sunday. Like and, and then and then this doesn't just affect White Sox Cubs. Mm-hmm. This affects other series, such yeah. as Yankees Mets, mm-hmm. Giants Dodgers. This have been great games. You know, yeah. uh, Giants A. All- like it, it this, is what, this is what brings the same thing. fans in states yeah. and, and regions together. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and, and I, I don't like it. You even take the I-10 rivalry in Missouri between the Royals and the Cardinals. That's mm-hmm. the big deal. You know, it it's it's crazy to me. I just don't get it, especially mm-hmm. when you're trying to incorporate interleague more into the current schedule where we're playing every team in the mm-hmm. National League now and up in the American League, so forth, like and you're playing your division opponents less. I, I just don't get that. That's something. That needs to to change.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like right. If you're trying to encourage more interleague play, wouldn't you want more like the three game series? You know, for each in each stadium, it'll make yeah. any sense. Don't you want? Uh,
2: don't you want money? Don't you want? Money, MLB? <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, especially right?
2: on a Sunday. Yeah, a
3: weekend day, like people off of work. Most yeah. folks is at least you know. Like
2: month. August, it's August imbalance.
3: in August.
2: <laughs> a Sunday, they're gonna have a day wash, off on man. Sunday in August. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> Rob, ooh, Rob. They, and this Ooh. man just got a con. This man just got a new contract. Yeah, he did. Oh my god! Which means yeah. everybody is giving him a mandate to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild, Miles. I knew you were about to punch the camera right now. Uh, <laughs> Girl, the floor is your. The floor I'm so is yours. Sick of
2: it, man, I'm so sick <laughs> of it, man. <laughs> Yeah, the don't. yeah. Don't no, I mean, break your equipment. Don't let my, don't let Rob Manfred take your equipment from you, but the
3: modern day game of baseball. Welcome to. I it. I get
1: signed by the Cubs. on yep. am pay- He's paying for it. <laughs> I
0: feel like you're gonna be in office for longer. You're gonna get more money. Might as well uh, pay for your 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 iPad or whatever. But yeah, I saw uh, Manfred got extended to 29. Uh, we all, I mean, nothing needs to be said with Manfred. We all, we, I think, we all know how we feel about. Rob Manfred. Um, uh, but <laughs> you know, you big down. You know what I'm saying? Only thing, yeah. only great Bob, thing Bob
3: I have pool. to say about Rob Manfred, only great thing is that he added a third wild card spot. Yeah. And, and bought the that wild card that round. That's but that's like it. outside of that, there are a lot of changes that this game is undergoing that is just weird to me. I'm at a game yeah. with my father before the All Star break and I'm having to explain to him the new extra innings rule. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and he's like, to me, he said, man, that's my baseball to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I still got an issue with the ghost run. If you're going to give mm-hmm. me a ghost runner, put him on first base, make me earn the run. Yeah.
0: Man, don't, uh-huh. help uh-huh. don't help me. <laughs> it, yeah. And, 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 Bro, and then the momentum oh, is
1: going in the, regardless of how people look at it, if that, if the visiting team drives in that run, no matter even if the runner's on second, the next inning, they still have the momentum.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: They're still up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I'm chasing
3: them,
2: <laughs> Yeah, I, I, like I don't. I the, don't like that rule either. The way the relievers are built now, the way that everybody uses relievers—if they score one run to go ahead, you are merit, you are mandated to be facing some dude that throws 120 miles an hour mm-hmm. with a 95 mile an hour slider. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what, Miles is completely right. That gives the visiting team the advantage every single time. And so you're gonna talk to you're gonna put these words out that are just words. They're meaningless words. They're just literally blah, blah blah blah. Why would you say anything about competitive imbalance and make all of these moves that imbalance the competition?
0: Yeah.
3: Especially when you got a pitch clock, by the way. Yeah. There's really no need for the ghost runner. You you want to speed mm-hmm. the game up? You got the pitch clock in there. I mean, we we could do away with the ghost runner if you ask me at this point.
0: Yeah. Also, Gabe, you said you know the one thing that we would credit Manfred with and congratulate him with is the extra wild card. But I think, like, my niece could have done that too. To be honest, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know I, I mean, think, like, I like, think, like I think that was
3: long overdue to begin with. You right? Yeah, like,
0: I'll give him credit. I will. But I'm just saying that I don't <laughs> think I think a lot of people would add that because we have always talked about there needing to be more playoff teams. It would have been like you know, or oh, yeah. like the wild, whatever. So, yeah, but but you are right. It is the one thing that he yeah, we will give him credit for. But ultimately, um, to kind of move on to more important things here, uh, we'll talk about the White Sox. Of course, the White Sox we talked about before uh, the three nations the all star break. They made their first move and they traded uh, Lucas Giolito and uh, Reynaldo Lopez to the Los Angeles Angels for two of their top three prospects. Basically, their top two because Logan Ohapi was number one to start the season, but he's a big leaguer. Uh, it's catcher, Edgar, Edgar uh, Kieros, who's age 20. He's a switch hitter, uh, 964 OPS in 70 games this season. Um, then you got pitcher Kai Bush, who's 23 with a 367 ERA last year. He struggled a little bit this year in 26 innings of work, but still looks pretty good on the mound. I saw some of video on him, but of course this is this. And we'll, we'll talk about more about the angels after, in a little later, but this is a big move for the Angels because they're actually looking like they're going for it here for the first time. I don't yeah, know, since I don't know when since maybe the the, the Joe Saunders days maybe, um, but for you for you guys and we'll we'll start with you, Gabe. For you, what is your take on this trade overall? As soon as you heard it,
3: well, for one, you know it marked the end of an era. You know I can remember being twenty three years old, December twenty sixteen, and get the news that Adam Eaton had been traded for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, who were both members of the Washington Nationals organization at the time. And these were the guys that were supposed to be centerpieces. They helping the White Sox turn it around. For a while, it looked that way. The way that it ended, you know, it's unfortunate that you have to part with these guys under this circumstance, under these circumstances, because the team didn't live up to their potential for so many reasons. And I know reasons that we we'll get into later on, but that that's that's really the the, the takeaway from it is that this marks the end of an era. Everything that fans wanted to refer to this as, is whether it was the rebuild or the retool or the championship window, is closed. But nevertheless, for the White Sox to trade two guys that are on the final years of their contracts and be able to address needs and getting a catcher of the future. Something that I don't think this ball club has really had a steady presence as far as it goes at that position. Since the days of AJ Piersinski, even though James McCann tried to provide it for a couple of years, it's a positive, you know, you would take a top 100 prospect for those two players with this situation, but they basically traded today for tomorrow. And I don't think White Sox fans will be able to evaluate how this trade looks until about three to five years from now when these guys eventually make their way up to the major league level. And Kai Bush, the left-handed pitcher that they got, is more so closer to the major league level than Carroll is, who's only 20 years old and was pushed up through from um, low A to, to double A rather, like, quickly. And is playing two years above where he really should be playing at this point in his career, so it remains to be seen.
0: What about you, Chris? What are your thoughts on it? Uh
2: just the trade?
0: Yeah, and the trade and the trade alone. But if you want to, uh, regardless on the, on the state of the White Sox, go ahead.
2: I uh, I just the the trade I go for the I'll go for the trade, but just because all my thoughts are like it'll take a long time. <laughs> but the the trade itself, honestly, is like like Gabe said, the end of an era. And it was an era marked by failure, just abject cowardice and failure. When this rebuild was promised, it felt like the necessary step in the right direction. No longer trying to to make do with uh, with a two by four when everybody else was using aluminum, you know no longer just trying to get by. It felt like the organization had decided to say, we are going to commit to building a foundation, building resources. And then when the time is right, making a move to be competitive, which is which is what, uh, since I've matured as a person, which is what I've wanted for this team. Since I have matured as a person, I wanted to be competitive. I wanted something resembling Resembling because you can't get to where they were, but resembling the Braves of the 1990s, mm-hmm. always being in the thick of the playoff hunt. And this trade, trading one of their guys who is not a franchise guy necessarily, but necessarily but flagship guy, one of the first people they brought in when they traded away an everyday headline player. Actually, the same two, same two guys were brought yeah. in in that Adam Eaton deal, went out in this deal. It just marked the, it, it doesn't feel like the beginning of the end. It just feels like the epilogue. Like we've been sitting, it's like, this is like 300 where the, the they found the hole in the gates and the Persians have been wiping the Spartans out for hours. And this is my man just sitting there on his knees and the arrows are coming down and this is the end of it. it is about to be already over all the arrows are all the people that we're going to see go out the door in the next few weeks. It's necessary. That's the one thing I can say. It is necessary because there's no relegation as there should be. And next year, the White Sox will open up play in the top division of professional baseball in this country. So they have to figure out some way to hopefully at least put a, 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 a sheen on the pretense of being competitive and at least give the impression that they're trying to build for the future. So in that case, it was necessary, but it feels like failure. It smells like failure. It looks like failure. It walks and talks like failure. So I'm pretty sure it's failure. Oh, it is
3: because I mean, let's be real. 2016. I remember talking with a guy that did the scores, keeping it, the White Sox games, as well as the Bulls games, my man Bob Rosenberg. He was like, man, what the hell are they doing? And I said, I know exactly (laughs) what they're doing. I said, they're trying to build a winner similar to the way in which not only the Braves in the 90s did it, the way that the Astros did it, the way that the Cubs did it, the way that the Royals did it within the last decade. And that's tanking for a few years to develop or get acquire high draft picks, might I add. And not only acquire high draft picks, but hit with those high draft picks Mm -hmm and build up a system that consists of several top 100 guys and pray to God that at least three out of 10 of those guys pan out and be superstars while the other several are quality everyday players in the lineup. We saw that happen, but the problem was is that these guys deserve to have a manager who had been through it and done it and won at the highest level in the modern era to lead them and teach them not only the fundamentals of the game, but how to win. The high point of this rebuild was in 2020 after losing a hard fought three game series against the Oakland A's and Jose Abreu winning American League MVP. We knew that Rick Renteria's days were numbered based on how he managed game three of that wild card series. Rick Hahn did a meeting with the press through Zoom on Columbus Day, I believe. And he said, we're gonna get a manager that has World Series experience and has been the postseason on an annual basis basis. They did that, but they happened to get a manager who, the last time he had managed, Tim Anderson was a freshman in college. Lucas Giolito yeah. was a senior in high school. I was Too a freshman experience. in college. And I remember this because it was 2011, same oh, year I graduated man. out of high school, and I was 18 years old. And even though I have a lot of respect for Tony La Russa and, and what he's accomplished in the game of baseball, he was not the same Tony La Russa that I had grew up with during the early days in the 2000s with the St. Louis Cardinals. He was not even this Tony La Russa that my father had grew up with back in the day in the 80s with the Oakland A's. They needed a manager that didn't just coddle them but walked with them and put them in the line of fire. And when they didn't perform up to par, even if he didn't call them out publicly, at least had the balls enough to do it privately. They never got that guy. With Rick Renteria, he was their teacher. I think they had a close bond with him. And I appreciate Rick Renteria for doing the job that he did knowing what was going to come, but they didn't finish it. They also never got the nine-figure player. To bring Manny Machado into the building on 35th and Shields and not give him the money to come here when he had ties and connections here, that's a problem. To hear Bryce Harper talk about how he had his eyes set on Chicago, saw as a little kid, the 2005 White Sox squad and how loud the, the, the ballpark was at the time. That's tough. Those were the two guys that you missed out on and that you needed. I know for a fact, just knowing people in the organization who have been there for over 30 plus years, twice as long as my mom was when I was a baby being raised in the ballpark, who told me on record, Rick Hahn wanted nine figure players. But there's an owner that has to sign off on the check. And there are so many times where we as sports fans want to blame players for things. And understandably so. Who don't perform up to par? But you got to take a look at your front office and your ownership to know where the hell you're going. And that's why sometimes when I look at this situation and I assess it, I can't be angry. I can't be mad because they never finished the rebuild. And how can I be upset? At them when they never finished it. That's like me being upset at somebody building a home that I thought was going to be gorgeous, but they never finished the framework. If they didn't finish the framework, it was, it's never going to get built. It is what it is. They got to figure out how they can move on, but Rick Hahn is one of the most blessed men I know because I don't know too many people who have job security like he does. And to be able to do this for a several seven time or it is just crazy to me because in any organization that has people with competence in it he would have been gone a long time ago and a guy who I know very well who actually has come to my house many a days before he ever took a GM job he would have been gone too even though he led the the Sox to the 2005 World Series and that was Kenny Wood.
0: Yeah no I mean uh like I I couldn't even imagine being a White Sox fan and enduring this type of stuff just because it's just so like so unfair to not only the fan base but even to some of the players that are loyal to being here for a long time or whatever. Like I just it even though the on the north side it's not all peaches and rainbows all the time. Like it still is. It still just baffles me to this day how just blatantly and consider a guy like Jerry Ryans or fizz to a fan base um it's just crazy and then and this could also be talked about on the basketball side even though the Bulls have spent a little more but that's uh f- as for a you know different different day but miles and your what what's your take man on the current state of the White sox as well as the trade that they made uh yesterday for uh um a couple of uh pro- top prospects from the Los Angeles angels.
1: yeah you know I it's I was always like a Lucas chilio fan in Chicago yeah. oh, And, yeah. uh, and it's really cool to kind of see Ronaldo Lopez struggle as a starter in the beginning of his career with the White Sox. And then being a dominant bullpen arm, um, aside from some struggles this year. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think I think, you know, going through something similar in, in 2021, I I hope I hope the White Sox um I don't know. I, I'm honestly bummed out for for that team and the fan base, because uh going into the season despite the struggles of last year we still had some pretty strong expectations for this ball club especially mm-hmm. in a very winnable division like the aerial central so it was one thing i'm hoping for the white side that there are a few more moves that 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 will come during this time um i hope whatever prospects that they gain out of this um i hope they treat them right because i know because you know the White Sox aren't known for having the best farm system and taking care of their players, the younger guys, um, as much as other teams do. So I am hoping for the White Sox, if we're, you know, if we're, we're kind of going to jump ship here, we got we to gotta do it the right way. And I, and I hope they kind of learn from certain mistakes they made in the past. The Tony La Russa thing, I, I, uh, in this very room, I heard my dad debate, uh, debate one of his friends about, Larusa being the guy or not, and kind of like what Gabe said. I remember, I remember Tony Larusa being the guy in 2011, 2012. That's what I remember when he was the guy. And so, I I, I don't want to, and, and I'm still kind of in the limbo about this, kind of trying to figure it out. I I I don't want to say that the White Sox wasted that window with Larusa. That's how I was feeling for a period of time. I know that it's like 100 on the players to so perform as well. I'm just hoping going forward, um, we just make better decisions in terms of how we're going to operate this team and guys who are leading this team. You know, it's, it's it's clearly a ball club where not everyone is is buying in, and and I think that's very apparent. And clearly, the morale of all these players are, are you know, it, it, every day kind of feels like a gut punch. even as we're talking about losing four to one at home against the Guardians, the division. So I think I think right now it is. I don't know if it's so much of a talent thing. I think it's more of a mentality thing as as to how these players want to do, what they want to do moving forward, what the organization wants to do moving forward. We'll see. We'll see. Sox fans deserve better. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to see these boys win.
3: You know what it is? It's a lack of leadership in the clubhouse. Yeah, It's 27 guys in a locker room. Throughout these last few years, I would say the White Sox top leaders were guys that took the ball every fifth day. Guys like Lance Lynn, guys like Liam Hendricks who got the ball if the White Sox had the lead in the top or bottom of the night depending on where they were playing. But those guys ain't playing every day. White Sox never had no veteran that held them accountable or pulled a guy like Tim Anderson to the side and say, hey, look, young fella. I see you struggling a little bit with shortstop. You want to take your game to the next level? Let's get to the ballpark early and let's take ground balls or whatever. Let's work. They didn't have a coach that was like that. And that's the type of leadership that this ball club and this team needed. And that's why I think a guy like Manny Machado could have been so helpful, because I know just watching some of Manny Machado's all-season workouts in Miami or whatnot, that he would have took a dude like Tim Anderson under his wing as he was making his way into all-star status. It's no telling what he could have became or whatever. But some players gotta have that mentality before they even come up here. And some of the guys that the White Sox acquired didn't have that mentality. They had to learn it. Luis Robert Jr. is one of those guys. I think he's just not learning how damn great he can be as a baseball player. And he's coming to the ballpark every day like you know what. I can't waste this opportunity because I got so much God-given talent and God-given ability to do this thing at the highest level. Some guys have never... every. We, we tell these guys how great they are when they prospect, and, and it's true in some cases. But we also got to tell these guys how important it is to work. And we got to be real with some of these fans too. I love White Sox fans, but it is a damn privilege to watch championship teams. And we have been blessed to watch a lot of championship teams in Chicago and Jerry Reinsdorf need to understand that it's not only just a privilege for fans to watch it's a privilege to have one and be able to put your money where your mouth is he said he wanted to win one seven years ago he wanted to win another one he ain't acting like it and I'm at the point now where it's like don't tell me what you want to do show me and I see so I'm gonna take a wait and see approach with this team moving forward
2: all so i I got my thoughts together if you got if you got the time for me to stretch a little bit the Chicago White sox most successful period in their entire history came before the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Social security was not around Social security wasn't necessary when the White sox were a major player in the American League. The White Sox are a footnote in baseball's history. They exist. They have existed much in the way that there are people you see in your school who you know their face, you know their name, but when somebody asks you, like, hey, did you hear about such and such? You can't quite remember what they look like. That is what the White Sox are in the annals of baseball. They went to the World Series three times in the first 20 years of their existence. They have been there twice since then, twice. The Florida Miami Marlins have gone to the World Series the exact same number of times since they were incorporated in 1993. Yep. 30 years versus, versus 83. And there are some things that you can excuse in terms of times were different in terms of what went on. There was no such thing as free agency. There was a reserve clause. People pretty much did what they wanted with their money. Men worked two and three jobs and played baseball as a job. And then they worked at hardware stores as another job. There were two world wars, this, that, and the other, um, all of that. But when you have it and Gabe, I know that I know from, from, you're, from what you've said in your, in your upbringing, your upbringing, you've seen this more close in person than I have. So I know that you must. I know that you're pissed because of what you said about Jerry Reinsdorf. is right on the money. This man had a world championship team in his grasp in 1994 and decided a work stoppage was more important. This yep. man had, yeah, this this man yep. had a a World Series contender in his grasp and decided he needed a cigar smoking buddy. This man intentionally cratered what could have been a great team. They were on the cusp of being a great team and I and I know that that's some of that is dreaming, some of that is but I was at that ballpark all of those years from 2016 to 2022 and there was a sense in the air that things were changing. It was when, when they took the Astros to the limit in 2019 um, there was a shootout they had at the ballpark. And I think James McCann might've gone deep twice. Like there was real love for this team. There was real love for this players. And that like Hawk Carrollson is a homer, but that Ricky's boys don't quit was real. That was mm-hmm. legitimate. And just like you said, he taught these young men how to be men in this game. And they loved him for that. The next step was getting a guy, people that you've mentioned in the pre-game, in the pre-show AJ Hinch or Alex Cora guys who had been there and could take that matriculation to the next level instead he hired somebody on his age level so that he could talk in the and share war stories with in the owner's box there's no excuse for that i'm tired we there's no there's no opportunities for us to be the Yankees anymore that opportunity went out the window in 1938 there's not even an opportunity for us in the same span of time that i mentioned and I've done book reports on this. I've written papers on this because I took this White Sox fandom to heart because I thought it was a birthright because of the sole fact that I was born south of Madison Street. As much as I have lambasted the Cubs for fun, for real, for pride, they went to the World Series so many times through the 30s and the 20s that and it, it even even late in their history when they went had postseason opportunities. They went They went, they just came up short, there was something. And so that lovable loser tag stuck because people who were not aged remembered the times where they came close and just fell short. White Sox fans endured seasons of exactly that sound. We have endured that. We are overlooked, overwrought, and over overdone in the most picturesque sense of the word. A patty left on the grill and forgotten. We are burned at the bottom of the pile. And I am I I am so close to finish with it, with this, that it just put it all into perspective. There is no there is no logical reason to continue supporting this team the way that they're going. It does not make reasonable sense. It does not make any rational sense because the same things that happened yesterday are likely to be the same things that happen tomorrow. I forgave not getting Manny Machado and Bryce Harper because I thought we could go forth with what we had and other guys would be on the market. And at some point, Jerry Reinsdorf would turn into Mike Illich and say, it's our time now. I thought that too. I know it's, I know what you're talking about. Instead, he's, he, he, he is still... I'll finish with this. He, if you've read the Jordan rules, there's a passage where he is walking home with his mom from his school and and there was an awards presentation and he was, I think, 10 or 11 in in middle school and he didn't win anything. And his mom is walking with him and they're, they're in silence. And she said, you couldn't even even won one? And you would think that that would put the iron into somebody's spine, but instead he is still that same middle schooler walking home in Brooklyn who is a face in the crowd and nothing more and he has become and the white Sox have become by extension that nameless gray face in the crowd and there's no reason to support that none and you know what i i
3: can't i can't tell fans not to be frustrated i can't tell fans as much as i would like to how to fan um it's it's hard for me to talk about a guy like jerry reinsdorf because I've sat in the owner's box with this dude. I have things, personal things from this guy. It was things that he did that helped my mother in my mom's career, working in Major League Baseball and so forth. But one thing I do know about Jerry, and one thing my mother has always made clear to me about Jerry, is when it comes time to spend the money, he don't want to do it. And for what reason that is, I don't understand it. I don't know. It's hard for me as a fan to say I'm not going to go to the ballpark because it's just like the child in me comes out when I'm at that ballpark. The memories that I have attached of being a White Sox fan come back to me at that ballpark. I remember being a kid, my mom telling me before I even decided to be a White Sox fan, about the 93 AL West division championship team and how she had me in the midst of that and how it was a, it was an experience to be able to witness people she got to know up close in person, such as a Bo Jackson and a Lance Johnson doing a thing on October stage, you know, and about the 94 White Sox and how it all got ruined by a lockout that, as you alluded to, Chris, Jerry Reinsdorf had a major hand in in spite of the fact that his team was in a great position to win the world series. And Frank Thomas was on his way to his second straight at AL MVP. You get it back 11 years later, but you never build off of it. And this team has had so many great players come through here over the last, I would say 10 to 15 years that we have had great moments with, but we don't really have any postseason moments with it. I was going to games during the Chris Sale era. I used to go to games every day that man pitched. Every day. And I seen some incredible things, but it baffles me how he's one of the greatest pitchers in the history of this franchise, but he never played in a playoff game in White Sox pinstripes. Same could be said about Jose Abreu until later in his career. And it really hurts me that we didn't win for him. You know, and, and so with Lucas Giolito, and, and you know, we talked about Tim Anderson who, who could be on the block. That was the guy that brought me back. Because there's a guy that is a is a black man from the south side, having memories of seeing Frank Thomas, Ray Durham, not having too many African American players for a stretch, to see him at the ballpark, seeing him come up the music that I listened to. And I listened to on the train, going through my day-to-day grind and hustle. It was like, hey, that's my guy we the number seven. Same number that represents my birth month and everything like that. We only two weeks apart in age. I done met T.A. I had engagements with T.A. Carlos Rodon, a guy that I used to see around. Like, you know, we, we, we didn't capitalize, man. And it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. And, 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 and it's a fan base that's desperate as hell for a winner. And I would love to see another World Series run But when that may come, I don't know. I would have loved it even if we had just won the Central three years in a row or four years in a row. That would have been something to to tell stories about. Because we've never had a stretch where we were that dominant. And the only reason why I'm using the word we in this situation is because I'm a diehard White Sox fan. And I don't really, I'm going to be real. I don't root for too many Chicago sports teams. The Bears, I follow them only because I'm a Justin Fields fan. The Bulls, yeah, I followed them when I was a kid, but I realized as I got older, I was more of a Michael Jordan fan than a Bulls fan. Blackhawks, yeah, yeah, I like them. And I thought that what they did in the 2010s, the White Sox had a great shot at doing in this decade. And I thought this was going to be the best damn decade in the history of Chicago baseball. Where that is now, I guess we'll never know. I, I, I don't know. But I am I, I know one thing, I will continue to keep watching the team, but it's only because of the joy that it brings me. But it's hard, especially at these last couple of days, because I've never seen this team drop games to the Northsiders the way that they did. And, and, and it's so many losses that have been tough. Like when fans say this is the toughest loss all year, man, look, I'm not going to even trouble you with some of the losses that I've been to this season. I've seen multiple games where this team has had two outs and been an out away from closing a game, only to lose it. And it it leaves you at the ballpark for like 30 minutes to an hour like, what the hell just happened? Did I really just see that? And am I seeing this again and again and again in this era? That was supposed to be the golden era? I just know the one thing I learned through all of this is Don't get drunk off of the beginning stages of a new era. Watch it carefully and witness it as it unfolds and then seek to assess when it comes to this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you really can't say it much better than you guys did right there. I mean, that says it all. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this team has a long way to go, but I will say this some of the positives here is the fact that they're protecting a guy like Cease and a guy that protecting a guy like Luis Robert, who were rumored to, you know, be the garnering interest from plenty of teams, um, including the Astros, for example, that supposedly were interested in both. I saw rumors or just rumors. I don't think the, obviously the Sox <laughs> would even consider that, no. but on a lighter note though, and I, 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 yeah, on a lighter note though, which I thought was hilarious was that I did see a conversation happen on, on Twitter of these or X, whatever you want to call it nowadays uh uh that of that you know that cease and Robert thing that supposedly like uh Andrew or sorry Astro's fans were like arguing about whether they wanted to give up Chaz in a deal for like cease and Robert and I was like I
2: Ch- Chaz McCormick, yeah <laughs> I saw that
0: and i I, I was at that I just I was like it's enough internet for me today.
2: But that, that's what you can do when you're a winner. That's what you can do. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can dream fair, fair. argue over like little that. things like team yeah. chemistry and like, well, why would we need this guy? Yeah. when We bought? We got Chaz McCormick. You see what yeah. you did last week? That's what you can do when you're used to winning.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a fair point, fair point. And it's like one of those things where it's like, it's just, yeah, I mean, White Sox would be, I think, I mean, I know that you guys have said a lot of things about the White Sox that are true. But even then, I think it would still be ridiculous for a team like the White Sacks to even consider, uh, getting rid of a guy like Luis Robert, who's obviously a superstar of the you know the game right now. So, oh, uh, but go ahead, Gabe.
3: And I want to say this: How in the hell can this team afford to trade Dylan Cease when you already traded Giolito? Lance Lynn is on the block, and you might trade. Uh, another one of your starter pitches, like you're you going to go into next season with having to get, you're going to have to acquire at least 40% of a new starter rotation, if not 60%. And then, you, and one of the guys in your rotation, you don't even know if he's going to be a full-time starter. You can still ask that question. Like, is Michael kopeck really a full-time starter in this league? Or is he better off in the bullpen? I, I, at this point, like, I, make it make sense to me. Because you asking a or you asking a front office and an ownership group that don't like to spend money to go out here and try and get five new pitchers? They're not doing that. Be realistic. And then you're going to ask them to trade him to the Astros, who have one of the worst farm systems in all of baseball, even though the White Sox farm system isn't the best? Like, it's deplete. Like, come on. Make it make sense to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree with you gave on there. I mean, it's just one of those things where people just talking and talking. I mean, plenty of people, pl- plenty of people were talking about the Cubs like they, they, they had watched them the last couple of weeks and saying they're going to sell, they're going to sell, they're going to sell trading Marcus Stroman tenfold. uh, And they hadn't watched. Uh, you could tell they hadn't watched, uh, you know, uh, game of the cubs in the past like month or so so i get what you're talking about it's just it's just it's just one of those things that i had to bring up because it was as baffling as i think i've seen in a while sure. um but to kind of uh move on to major league baseball and what this kind of means for the angels now as they're getting lucas giolito um to kind of reiterate what you know uh, what miles said is uh, lucas was for sure one of my favorite white Sox players i think i i, I think is you know he was goofy he like you know, he would always be on the Rose Rotation, uh, the John Boy podcast. And I thought I always enjoyed his uh, his his conversations there. And so, you know, for his sake, I hope, you know, just not only just because of Otani, because obviously we kind of want to see Otani make the playoffs here. But what do you guys see with the Angels now is they're actually looks like they're going for it now. So, Miles, I want to start with you. What do you think about this deal from their side now? Uh Do you think it's enough? Do you think they need more? If so, how would you do it?
1: I mean, you know, it's a good scene them go for. It It mm-hmm. really is a good scene them go for. It. Yeah. Um, they have their work cut out with them in the Rangers and the Astros. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and really, you know, they they know that Showa wants to win. They know that Mike Trout isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. But Shohei may not be an angel at the end. Of the, you know, by the time the next season comes around, go for it. You got to go for it now. And, and, and you know, I I. I think we all want to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and, you know, playing ball in October. I think that they have, we, we, we enjoy seeing them during the regular season. And then for all of us being a diehard baseball fans, we are, we know the memories that they can create for us in the postseason. Uh And then and, and we had a little bit of a glimpse of that in March when, when it came to the world baseball classic. So I love this on the angels part. Uh, you you got to buy you, you have to buy, um, because people are going to be knocking at Shohei's door um, at the end of the season, ready to give him an opportunity on, on, a, on a ball club in which, you know, he can bring some titles to his city. This is the, we're, we're talking about someone who who just threw a one hitter and did two dingers in the same day. Are you kidding me, bro? Who made you, what laboratory were you born in? This is <laughs> ridiculous, bro. And, and it is so fun to watch. He, he's so good for baseball. And, and, and you you want to see someone like that play on a big stage, on the biggest stage possible. Um, I love it. I love it. They, they they have their work cut out for them. And so I do want to give the, the credit to the Angels for going for it. Um, they are in a very not tough division, um, but the, it looks like the Rangers aren't going anywhere and, and the Astros are going to continue to be a good ball club because they just got the form of the down. So... Let's see. Let's see what happens with that. But good to good on the end is a go for it. If you're going to go for it, you got to go for
0: it. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that, Miles. And, and you know, as you mentioned with the Otani going off today as is, is just another Otani day, uh, that's crazy. That's his first complete game. Uh, and uh, he got it today against the Tigers. And then also when he hit those two home runs, he did have to leave the game because he was holding his side. I think it's mostly precautionary, but hopefully it's nothing, uh, you know, too serious there because obviously – that'd be the last thing they need, of course, with them trying to actually go for it. But uh, Chris, what do you think this deal means for the angels? And and how do you feel about their scenario, about like, you know, their, their decision to not move Otani to actually try to go for a wild card spot?
2: I mean, you have to make the playoffs. That's what I said in the season, uh, before the season, you have to make the playoffs be the mm-hmm. angels. If you want to have a chance to keep Shohei Otani, it's similar to what the Chicago Sky are facing with Kalia Copper. You got to make the playoffs If you want to extend her a new deal and have her um, say, yeah, we're going to go for it because there's no reason for him to stick around on a mediocre team when people are going to be throwing mountains of money at him in the off season, or this dude is so good. He could, he could, he could legitimately just go back home and not play baseball again and still be a legendary figure and be, and be good. Mm-hmm. So the Angels have to get to the playoffs. A wild card spot, they're going to have to make some more moves because they really they really got to chase down the division with who they've got. Like they they've made an effort and done some at least decent things in terms of prospect building to put these other decent guys in that lineup. But when you the year came and the Rangers decided that enough was enough and they were going to shoot for it along with the Astros. And even though the Mariners are faltering, there's still you know, a ball club that could screw your day up once the calendar turns to late August and September. They've got to add more in order to fight for the division because even with two wild card spots, three wild card spots, excuse me, that AL East is going to be a scrap and there might not be any more t- places at the table left if you're looking at the bottom seeds in the playoffs.
0: What about you, Gabe? What are your thoughts there?
2: I just respect the fact that the Angels going all
3: in, and they they so willing to go all in that they willing to pay into the luxury tax to do it, and they really have no choice. And it makes sense on an array of levels, even from a business standpoint, because if Shohei Ohtani continues to keep hitting the way that he's been hitting, he could possibly break Aaron Judge's single season record for most home runs hit by an American League player in the, in a the season. So. From a, It makes sense from a business standpoint on and off the field for them to go for it, but have you guys looked at the schedule that these guys are going to be facing? They got three against Toronto this weekend. Then they open up next week with three on the road against Atlanta. And if you've ever been to Atlanta, you know they're going to get 40000 every night, and that battery is going to be very loud over there in Cal County. And then you got Seattle at home, San Francisco at home, in early August, and then you got Houston and Texas. So it's a lot of big games coming up and a lot of big series, and they're going to need all the help that they could get. Now, they also added Jaime Candelario, the third baseman from Washington, who hopefully Mm -hmm. he gives them something. But I hope that injury to Otani is not serious because if it is, with this gauntlet of a schedule that's coming up in August that can make or break them, it's not good. It's not good. But to, to see them give up two of their top three prospects, even though they don't have the richest farm system, to get two guys who are on the last year they contract but could be vital pieces to their starting rotation and bullpen respectively, I, I tip my cap to them. And Artie Moreno has put his money where his mouth is. And they have to do it because if they want to have any shot at re-signing Otani, this is the cost of doing it. Me personally, I think no matter what happens, Otani is, is good as gone.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Do you say and you said that they they're in talks with, with uh the Nats or they got him yet?
3: I said that they I, I believe that they got Jaime Condelario. I, I know that they were at least from what I saw being reported.
0: Yeah, I think I think they're just close on getting him. I think they will get okay. him, honestly, eventually, but I'm I'm on the train with you. Uh they're gonna get him. But yeah, I think John Heyman, I think, as, as soon as like 10 hours ago said that. Uh, yeah, you're right. They I were see close. It yeah, they, yeah. They,
3: they they discussed it. If yeah, they could get yeah. him. Okay. That would be a huge. Pick oh up. yeah,
0: no doubt, no doubt. And 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 that's one of the. It's funny because that's one of the guys that a lot of people have mentioned with the Cubs for a third baseman. But um, yeah, I mean that that's probably he's probably one of the hottest commodities of this quiet deadline. Um, because even the next deal that we I was gonna ask you guys about or just in general, what you guys thought about certain deals that have happened over the last couple of days, because there hasn't been much, but. Uh, I agree with you said about the Angels. I mean, they got you know they have no choice but to go for it now. Um, and you know even there's been some some con- or some some rumors, I guess, that have come out to over the last few hours that Otani's comfortable in Anaheim and would be willing to stay. Uh, I definitely don't like that whatsoever. <laughs> I like the loyalty. I, I like. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah I hope it's not true but Not if his PR. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. also another, th- another thing too, is that they talked about today is that besides that p- part, but I got other, uh, there were other rumors as well that, uh, that he didn't really want to move either this in the during the deadline. Like he didn't want to be traded. And then I was kind of like, man, that just sounds like some BS that like a GM tells a reporter to put in, put in the headlines because he doesn't want to get beef. Like, you know, with the reporters every day, you know, it doesn't want to get, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like can believe
3: the, not wanting to be traded though in the middle of the season.
0: True, but you're also. Talking about having yeah. to get
3: a new apartment, you know, <laughs> new translator in his case, which he needs after, you know, yeah. building a relationship with the translator of the Angels and stuff. Like it, it's so much that changes. And then you don't even know if you're going to stay there after the season. Cause at best, like if he did get traded, he was only going to be there for like a few months. Hmm. And then I got to yeah. see whether or not I'm going to resign with this team or not. And if it was a team like Tampa Bay or you know a, a team like Milwaukee or whatever, where we know he's not resigning, it's like I gotta go here.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I agree happened with that happened
2: mm-hmm. It did.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the, another thing too is that is like, what do they expect Otani to be like? Yeah, I want to leave when he's you know, gonna stay, right? You know what I mean? Like, right. what do you, you don't? I, I don't expect him to say otherwise as well uh on the contrary to that but yeah no I think it's it's gonna be I'm definitely rooting for the angels at this point at least hopefully they can make some kind of run with him just because you know like like we've yeah. said probably I don't, I don't think he's gonna resign with them so uh yeah but on the other side of town the Dodgers actually made probably one of the bigger traits so far as well uh by getting Ahmed Rosario from the Guardians and this is a guy that you guys have seen plenty of uh plenty of games with him with the Guardians there uh, Chris, what do you think about this deal with, uh, Rosario going there? The other side of the deal has Cindergaard going to the guardians, which I think is really, you know, pretty much meaningless in my opinion, but Chris go, you can go ahead and say your, your take on,
2: uh, from a sentimental standpoint, it's like, we're seeing that we're just, we're seeing the end of Noah Cindergaard who I, I really yeah. loved. I lo- I'm like, I've had a soft spot. I've had a soft spot for the Mets since 2000, um, when they went to the world series And I wanted that rotation to be nice and it just never developed. And he was one of the reasons why just the injuries really took a toll on him and his career. On the other side, Ahmed Rosario, who was also a Mets prospect who didn't quite live up to the hype potential in New York, but then went to Cleveland and was a a pretty serviceable, I'll say serviceable, everyday player. This just is an addition for for Los Angeles, for the Dodgers. It's not a, a big needle moving kind of deal but it's it's a preliminary it's like an appetizer and i think it does something to shore up their um infield depth i think rosario they moved him around the outfield at times too uh but it at least shores up some of their some of their position player depth and he's the guy who has good speed who hits the ball the other way and if you stick him in like the bottom third of your lineup it maximizes what you get out of that lineup. So it's it's a solid deal for them, if not like a really, really big needle moving
0: kind of deal. What about you, Gabe? What do you think about that deal?
3: Well, it it makes sense because now with a move like this, you can move Mookie back to his natural position in the outfield mm-hmm. and just let him go to work and, and do his thing while you got Ahmed Rosario, a guy who's as, as Chris alluded to, he has a, a bunch of speed on the base paths. He's going to wreak havoc once he gets on base. He's a very sound and disciplined hitter and keeps a very simple approach at the plate. When he's driving the ball up the middle of the field, he's usually doing his thing. I I, I don't mind it. And I, I look at it as a nice rental piece for Los Angeles. As far as Cleveland, I don't get the move per se, but I guess what this tells me is, is that Hey, they that this really Minnesota's division to lose basically, <laughs> and I think if Shane Bieber wasn't hurt, he oh, might have got moved too. Oh man, you know, and, yeah. and I'm anxious to see what they do going forward. I, I, I don't, Noah Syndergaard to Cleveland though, it, it, it's I, I don't understand it for them, but for for the Dodgers, I totally get it, and they and they're getting a guy that they hope can provide them with some solid <laughs> defensive players short, which he's known for. And some speed on the base pass Who can hit either at the top part of the order if necessary, or at the lower part of the order?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. He's he's yeah he's a good ball player. I think he he does br- bring some good stuff to the Dodgers. A team that also got on Hernandez back on the team. Another versatile guy who they love yeah. there. So I think those are a couple of additions that are not you know a big splash, uh, but they definitely make they're going to make an impact. I'm sure they'll have some big games in October. So Miles, what do you think about this deal overall as well?
1: You know, I really like it for the Dodgers. I like how the Dodgers are adding depth. I think, I think that
0: you know, the, the, you know, as of a
1: few days ago, with with Kike coming back and, and Med, you know, being acquired for this ball club, even even more, even more uh, deep. Um, so it's it's great. It's great for the Dodgers. Um, you know, I, I think I think Guard has had a very interesting career to this point uh, in terms of being the man at one point on the Mets and then kind of bouncing around a little bit. So. In, in terms of the Guardians with with guard going there, I'm I'm curious. Do we know if he's going to be kind of someone out of the bullpen, or is he going to jump into that rotation? That's what I. That's where I'm a little bit confused on. Just in terms of I know, um, they they are down a few arms in Cleveland, so that's they're what I'm curious about. This is yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I think I think that's where that's where I'm curious. And and, and you know, cindergard was moved to the bullpen because he was struggling as a starter. But at this point, do you just move him back into the rotation? Maybe him as like a back-end guy. I don't know. If I'm the Guardians, I would. If you can give me at least five, six solid a night, that's all I can. That's, I'm fine with that from Norris in the guard. I'm not asking him to go seven, eight, or even nine. Um, you just got to keep us in the game for, for the time that you're in there. So I like it. I like it on both sides. I'm still – You know, we'll we'll, we'll see what what comes of the Guardians as they are still kind of um, treading above water a little bit. And, and, you know, they're playing the White Sox right now in Chicago. So we'll see. I I do like this for the Dodgers a lot, especially, you know, just bringing Kike back and then Ahmed Rosario, who's actually a pretty solid bat for the most part, not lighting the world on fire. Uh, But, you know, he has some good offensive depth to this lineup.
0: Yeah, actually, Miles, and you mentioned it with the Noah Syndergaard thing. Uh, according to an article by Cleveland.com, they said uh, Terry Francona is, is going to give uh, Noah Syndergaard space to find himself, and he's going to make Ooh. a start on Monday. Uh, so I guess, yeah. So they're going to like probably try him out in the rotation. If it doesn't work out, Ooh. open probably is what it sounds like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as much, as much as I don't necessarily disagree with what Chris was saying, how it's like the end of Noah Syndergaard, Maybe I, I hope that you know somehow he ends up like a because I feel like he'd still be a good bull, bullpen piece if it doesn't work out for him in the rotation yeah. anymore. Um. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that works out. Uh. But the one thing I did want to end this show with, of course, is to talk about what do you guys think the biggest splash is going to be, and if it's going to be Nolan Arenado, that actually might happen or might is a possibility. I should say because it came out today. Um. As like I said, recording this on on Thursday, July twenty seventh that the Dodgers apparently have inquired on Nolan Arenado and Nolan Arenado has said that he is open to a deal to the Dodgers, that he wouldn't reject that. Um, so yeah. So uh Gabe, let's, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think is going to be the biggest flash? And if you may, may, maybe I know you've said before on this show that you don't think Arenado's going to be moved him or Goldschmidt, but has your stance changed a little bit, do you think that's possible? If not, who do you think would be the, the biggest splash of this quiet deadline? I know it's kind of a hard question because you really, it might not be anybody that honestly, but uh, uh what's your take? I think somebody's
3: going to get dealt. If, okay. it, you know, and, and even though I said last time we talked, I didn't think Arenado mm-hmm. was touchable. If he's willing to waive his no trade clause and St. Louis gets a package that they like. And I, I could see it. And the reason why I say I could see the Cardinals and Dodgers doing the deals because the Dodgers have catchers. In the MLB pipeline, type 100. Mm -hmm. And we know that St. Louis is not pleased with their catcher situation, even after signing Wilson Contreras to a five-year deal Mm -hmm. for over $80 million this past winter. And we saw his name floating in some trade rumors at the top of the week saying that they were willing to move him. So I I could see them doing a deal if they're willing to provide the Cardinals with catching and pitching, which the Dodgers have a ton of in their farm system. It's just a matter of is Arenado willing to waive his no-trade clause, which they say he would be, but his agent kind of pressed on that because he said he would also be willing to do it for other teams, not just the Dodgers. But I, I don't know. One team that I would like to see make a big move, though, as far as, like, just talking solely on the trade deadline is the Baltimore Orioles. I think the time is now to strike while the iron is hot. You got a ton of prospects in the top 100 that can help teams. Some of these guys aren't going to make it with your ball club because you're that stacked, such as a Connor Norby or whatnot. If you can trade those pieces to get a solid ace, you do it.
0: What are your thoughts, Chris? Uh, You think that the Arenado deal is possible? If not, uh, what other guys are you looking to move, or even a team? As Gabe said, the Orioles, of course, would be another team that you're kind of waiting on to make a deal. Um, as good as they are, um, they you kind of you, they, I feel like they kind of need like a cherry on top to kind of like solidify their position in the AL.
2: They do because that that's a team that you add to, even though they've got a lot of young prospects in um, that are that are making their mark, that are on the team up in the majors now. I think that bringing a guy into play third would be would be solid for them. I would honestly bring in somebody else on their pitching staff if they could swing it too. But the Angels, or sorry, the Orioles, you have to make your mark to be able to stay above well above water in that division. There's just too many uh teams that are always gunning for it with Tampa Bay, with Boston, with New York. And you know, the Red Sox aren't really in it like that this year, but you can't just stand pat with what you have, even if you have prospects, young guys who are burgeoning stars, you have to continue adding to that, uh, to, to what you have. So I think bringing in Arenado would be one, it would be a big splash, it would be a far cry from what we saw from Baltimore three, four years ago, and would let, again, serve notice, like we talked about 30 minutes ago to their fans, that they are willing and ready to put up to make these splash moves in order to stay at the top of that division every single year. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but just saying that you're willing to make those moves helps you gain stability in a division like the American League East. So I'd be I wouldn't be surprised to see Baltimore do to make a move like that. Texas I I don't know how much they need to do, but even as good as they're playing, this is the first year with the personnel that they have that they've been this solid and they could I think do with um uh, maybe another another starting pitcher, another reliever just to shore up the depth on them as they make the oh, stretch no run. Um, so I think it's those two teams, if Seattle had a slightly better record, I would look for them to be to be sellers because I wouldn't want them to lose the momentum that they had over the last two seasons either. but they've been kind of struggling around five hundred. So I don't look for them to sell, but I don't look for them to buy anything really splashy. Texas yeah, I mean,
3: definitely got to make a move. They yeah. definitely got to make a move. Just watching them in June, they they cost themselves a sweep here in Chicago with their bullpen. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers and the White Sox made a deal as far as relievers go. Because Texas has a prospect, a, a, a rich uh, glutton of prospects that they could deal as well if necessary.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that's true. And and I think, you know, uh, with the Rangers – they got Chapman, but I th- still think they need more. And I think that I, I don't know yeah. if they're going to go too hard. I don't see, I don't, I don't see them necessarily going too hard and getting another piece, which I, I'm going to be surprised. But I just don't think. I think Chapman might have been their biggest thing that they're gonna, their biggest deal that they're going to do so far. But I, I will say this to 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 Gabe's credit as well is like it's going to be really tough for them to hold off the Astros. I don't care what anybody tells me. I mean, the Astros two games back, we saw yeah. how good that series was. I know that the the Rangers blew them out in that last game. Things got testy. But it's going to be really hard to hold off those those Astros for a whole couple months uh, to end the season. So, yeah, they, will probably, they definitely need something. Uh, but we'll see how how they add it or how they do it uh, for sure. But another thing, too, is, Chris, you mentioned the, the Mariners. And, yeah, it's kind of funny because we're talking about uh, the Cubs being buyers. Uh, and the Mariners are almost in that same identical spot when you're looking at them in the um, – whether it be in the division or whether it be in the wild card – there's just a couple games of difference there. They're are seven and a half games back in the division. Um, obviously in the situation, obviously the, 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 the teams in their division are, is what differs there. And that's why they don't, I, I guess that's why they, they think they're going to be sellers is because, you know, they're not going to catch the Rangers or the Astros, but uh, miles in, in your, in your uh, take, what, what do you think is going to be the, you know, the biggest move of the uh, trade deadline, or do you think it's going to be Arenado as moving from the, from the Cardinals to the, maybe the Dodgers?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting with, with, with Arenado, and, and it's like I want to rule that out because of the, the quality player that he is, which really is pretty much like an understatement.
2: Mm-hmm. He's
1: also my favorite player. And so I think, you know, in it, 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 part of it feels like it, it might not be too far-fetched with the Cardinals. We've seen them kind of have an interesting mindset this year in, in sort of jumping ship on guys quickly, sending down Jordan Walker because they wanted him to – I, I, I don't know. I, forgot I what still the first don't get it was. that. <laughs> it's it, it just it, you know, it's it's, a, it's an organization that is, that is they have very interesting. Um, they're in a very interesting position because they are operating without or Molina for the first time, and you're kind of seeing kind of like a scramble kind of mentality with this with this ball club in terms of moving guys and and and, and Oliver Marmol kind of having conversations. It's a very weird organization right now, and so I'm wondering. You know, if if Nolan Arenado does get moved to the Dodgers, what does it mean? What does that mean for the rest of that division? Um The Dodgers are already deep enough as it is, and, and I think they succeed even without Arenado. But you put Arenado on that ball club, it's pretty much the icing on the cake. You you almost can wrap it up for the most part in that division. So, you know, I'm curious to see what 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 will happen with that. I'm also curious to see if the Reds are going to continue to kind of build off of their momentum Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. I I have a strong eye on, on the Brewers and the Reds at the moment, seeing what moves are they going to make going forward? And we know that Milwaukee just got Carlos Santana. It's a solid move uh, for sure. Um, I'm very intrigued by the NL central um, just because we got, we got two teams right now with with the Cubs and then the Reds who are starting to find themselves in this moment. So Let's see. I couldn't. I couldn't predict who's gonna get moved where, just because I think everything is up in the air right now. But if there's if there are teams who I feel like maybe making moves going forward uh, by the deadline, I'm looking at the Reds. I'm looking at the Brewers. I'm even looking at the Phillies, who are right there. Um, even though in, in terms of just being competitive, the Phillies are a few moves away from from not not exactly catching the Braves, but making even even more noise. You know, they cut they got off to kind of a a uh, rough start this year, and here they are, fifty-five and forty-seven. They're ten games back of the Braves, but man, that's nothing. That's nothing to to scoff at at all. The Phillies are right there. So, in terms of just looking at teams, those are the teams who I have my eye on at the moment. And you know, I'm curious to see what is going to happen going forward. Um, and I'm very intrigued by the NL Central division specifically.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you you mentioned that because when you mentioned the the Cubs in the division. Is they stand, you know, six games out. Of course, nine o'clock. The game's not over yet. They're probably it's gonna be five after you know they or they take you know take down the, uh, the Cardinals because nine one right now. But yeah, I mean, as much as they have a, a case for the division, they're four and a half games out of a wild card spot. So even if it, a lot of people were saying the only way that a central team makes the play or a second playoff team makes it, uh, or excuse me, the only way that a team like the Cubs would make it is if they win the Central. Now I don't know about that. I mean, it's gonna be hard to 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 take down the brewers I, I won't lie about that uh i think that a guy yeah. like Carlos santana while look while looking like a very like like uh, a small addition i'm sure he'll hit two home runs off justin Steele come september or something so uh, <laughs> i'm not would be surprised uh but yeah i mean it, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the most interesting races for sure in all baseball seeing how the nl wild card shapes up and how the central shapes up but definitely by come tuesday uh, You know, we, we might look at these divisions and see something else because I don't know what kind of additions either of those teams are, or any of these teams in the center are going to do. But uh, I think yeah. it's a good uh, place to wrap things up for this edition of the At Bat Baseball podcast. Uh, for Saul Rodriguez, want to thank Miles Porter again. Congratulations, Miles, on your all star team. Congrats to that. Uh, of course, uh, Chris Pennant, uh, thanks for coming on, who, of course, you can see on the CHGO Sky Show as well as he's the co host of the Skyhook podcast. Gabriel Wilkins, who you've seen on War Media's Open Run. Appreciate you guys coming on. And hopefully everyone enjoys the trade deadline. Have a good one, everybody.